0: Welcome to Women's Hoops and Talks, the what podcast where we are elevating the voice of women in basketball. I'm Tara. And I'm Cassidy. Today we're
1: gonna be talking a little bit about about our newest Rip City citizen, giving thanks to the sport we love the most. And we're gonna check in around the league with some headlines. And joining us today is Kendall Bennett, the social media manager for Wave TV and a Rip City native. Welcome back to the pod. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to be back. Well, we're excited to have you. And as you know, we got we usually get things going with a little bit of an icebreaker. Mm-hmm. So today we got an icebreaker submitted on Twitter by Paul Navarre. I don't know if I'm saying that right, and I'm sorry if I'm not. Um, but in the spirit of Mello, who against all odds has made me cheer for him and really start to like him... Which player, uh, the player who made you change your opinion about him the most? So do you have a player that you've
2: most changed your opinion about? Kendall, you want to go first? Yeah. Um, yeah, so, um, I, I know some of the listeners might not remember this, but, um, so I worked for the Clippers earlier this, or I guess last season. I worked for them for about six months. Um, and being a Blazers fan, I was kind of always trained to not be a Patrick Beverly fan. Mm-hmm. Um, working for the Clippers, obviously when you're working for a team, they kind of become like your second team um, because you, know, you you do kind of grow a bond with that team. Obviously, Blazers are still my number one, um, but my Clippers or Clippers are kind of like my number two team. And uh, watching Patrick Beverly play, having him be on your team, um, he definitely grew on me a lot and he is someone who I actually really love to watch now and um, I mean he he's known in the lead as like he's kind of the bully in the lead he's going to be um, like he'll do anything he's kind of like a Draymond in that way where it's like yeah he's known for defense but he's also known for like he's going to make you mad he's going to get under your skin he's going to do all that obviously Portland fans don't like him for kind of the back and forth that him and Dame have had over the years um, but seeing it from a different perspective um i took it less personally because obviously he does that with everyone it wasn't just you know him and dame um and i think that uh dame also has said like he has a lot of respect for him and and you know i think he um just knowing his bad story seeing how he is just as a player um watching him like how much he really just cares about the dame and cares about his team um he definitely has grown on me and he's someone who i actually really enjoy watching now
0: one of those players that uh, you like when he's on your team, but not when he's not on your team?
2: <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And I think like uh, having him on like on kind of one of my teams, obviously that definitely did change it. Um, but even now if he were to go to another team, I think I still would you know appreciate for him for for kind of uh, what he is. And I think that's something that you don't really get from him unless he is on your team at some point. So yeah, he definitely is that player.
0: <laughs> How about you, Cassidy? It is funny that you say
1: that because I was torn between saying two players, and one of those was Patrick Beverley. Um, I just think he's fun to watch, and I hate when we're like, obviously when he's getting into it with Dame, not on his side. But I think that he's a fun player to watch, and I tend to like the antagon, like the antagon, blah, blah, antagonistic players. So. I kinda like I think it's fun. Like, why not just throw throw a little wrench into people's routines and like throw them for a loop? I kind of enjoy watching it. So I was gonna say Patrick Beverly, but I think in honor of the question, Carmelo is kind of changing my mind, which we're gonna talk about a little bit later. But those are my two answers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't I don't really know how to continue with two players. Both of you liking Patrick Beverly. I'm going to just move on before <laughs> we lose any more listeners. No, I understand where you're coming from, though, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought of two players. One of them is from a while ago. Um, and I, when Jamal Crawford was on the Blazers, I did oh. not like him. And I think that he had a not good year. That was a terrible, horrible, very bad year for everybody involved. Um, but after he left the team and I – Saw, like, how, like, incredibly consistent he was for several years after that. And, like, how every year, even though he, like, got older, he seemed to somehow get younger. And -hmm. then hearing him talk on podcasts and stuff, he's a really, really interesting person. He has one of those memories where he remembers everything. And so I think it was Howard Beck had him on the full 48. And he was just asking him, like, random box scores of games that he had played in and like he remembered like how many shots he took and you know, how many he made and how many he missed. And he just has this incredible memory. And so i really have started to like him and wish that it had been a better shift for him when he'd been here in Portland. I think if he'd been here at a different time, I think a, we would have had a much more positive uh, association with him. So uh, he's kind of, My one, and then I came up with a second one too, and maybe this can kind of help us. Well, it's not really a segue, but I'll talk about him more later. But I didn't like Yusuf Nurkic when he first came to town. I had a really hard, like it took me a while to embrace him. So it's hard to admit because right now I love him so much, and maybe part of the reason I love him so much is because it was so difficult for me to um, see. I had to work really, really hard to uh, get to the same place that a lot of people got to immediately. Um, But then once I did, I was like just all in. So he's one of the somebody who's changed my mind.
1: Mm -hmm. Those are interesting. So we talked a little bit about I mentioned it, but I'm wondering we've had Carmelo now for a few games. Uh, We've gotten to see a little bit. How's everybody feeling about it?
2: Um, I honestly am a lot more optimistic now than when I first heard that they Mm -hmm. signed him. Um, I think as just an NBA fan, just watching him over the years, obviously everyone knows what he has been in the past and what he has done. Um, But also with that are the bad things as far as, you know, um, not accepting his role, all of the things that caused the problems like last season for him or the last two seasons. So, Coming into Portland, I looked at as like, okay, well, right now, like, at that point, I saw it as, well, I mean, why not? <laughs> like, it was, we were kind of at a point where I wasn't against anything because of just how we are playing. Um, I kind of was open to anything. Um, I also liked that he it was going to bring kind of just a new um, energy to the team of, I know that like Damon CJ have been trying to get him for the past couple of years. So I thought like, you know, that's good. Even if he doesn't play well, having just him around might just kind of like boost everyone's um, kind of energy level and just hopefully bring something out of everyone else. Um, But I actually have been very surprised with how he's been playing. I think as everyone has Um, obviously the first game, you know, he came out pretty strong and then the second half, he really uh, kind of fell back fell down, but I think that was pretty expected. You know, when you go so long without playing, um, it's not going to come back on your first game. And I think we're, I mean, he's only a few games in now and he's been playing great. And each game he's doing significantly better. So I think he, um, I think this year has really, you can tell he's like, he's really swallowed his ego. He's really put the work in to um, embrace the role that he's in now. And that's something that he was just never doing before. And I think not only, did that year off really help him do that? But I think Portland is a great place to do that because when you have people like Damon CJ around you, they're not going to let you, you know, he, they're not going to let him be the, the cocky mellow. That's not going to take his role and all this. Like, I think there are people that that's hard to be that person around. They're really going to like level him. And um, I think that that's showing already that that's really happening. And I think it's showing in his playing, it's showing in just the environment around the team. So I'm actually um, way happier about it than I ever thought I would be. <laughs> And Cassidy, how about
1: you? I'm in a similar boat. So as some of you may have heard in the last podcast, I was mad. I was not happy about this pickup. I was angry for a few days. Um, And then I started doing more research and trying to figure out why I was so angry about it. And I guess I never really watched any Mellow team kind of play very consistently. They were never my team. And so I didn't go into full watching watched a lot of you know clips and all of that and in my re-education of my Carmelo-ness I am slowly coming along and then we've had a few games and then we had the game in Chicago and I think it just kind of showed that I just kind of didn't buy it at first the whole like I will take the role that I'm given like I will understand it and I was kind of like have you? like have you reached that full understanding um and i and i really feel like he has and he looked so happy playing the game against chicago and just just like he wanted to be there so badly and i think that kind of made me look at him in a very different light in the sense of like you're just you're doing this cuz you truly love the game of basketball you really want to play and now you've taken that time to like grow off the court Where kind of a lot of possibilities have kind of opened up for him. So it's been a roller coaster, (laughs) but we're, we're, you know, coming into a kind of easier stretch on the roller coaster. And I feel like, or maybe a slight bumps, but. I'm not on the angry side anymore. so
0: That's good. That That, <laughs> yes. that, 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 that seems like some, some good progress. So it yeah. feels like the both of you are feeling uh, pretty positive about Melo right now. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty much in the same place. Um, but one thing I want to pose to the both of you playing a little bit of a devil's advocate is how do you feel about the fact that he took 20 shots the last game? He's averaging – 16 shots over his uh, four games that he has played. So just like to put that in perspective, Dame and CJ are averaging right around 20. Uh, last season, they the two of them were like 18 and 20. And then the next closest person on the amount of shots was Yusuf Nurkic with 11.5. So Carmelo is averaging 16. He took 20 in the last game. How are y'all feeling
2: about that? I mean, I don't know. I mean, to be fair, he did. I mean, he hit 10 of those 20. So... That doesn't make me super mad. I mean, he he had technically, if you're if you really want to look just at stats, like he had a better he shot a better percentage um, than Dame. Had the same shooting percentage as CJ that Dame, um, but he was taking shots away from them as well. So I think, I think it was one of those games where obviously they were playing the Bulls. And we've obviously lost to some really bad teams this season, but I think that they were kind of, you could definitely tell that that game, they were re-energized. They came out there really with a winning mentality, which I think we haven't had all season yet. Mm-hmm. And you could definitely tell there was something different about that game. And um, I think he was really, he was having a really strong game and Dame has come out and said multiple times, like if CJ's having a really good game, he's going to take a step back and, Dame only, I think what he had 13, 14 points. Um, CJ had 21 points and then, uh, Melo had 25. So it's, I think Dame, if he needed to, he could have come in and got, got more points, but I think they, He let Melo shoot those and CJ let Melo shoot those because I think obviously it worked out. My opinion probably would be different if we had lost that game. But I think that because we won, I think it shows based off of just, if you're really just looking at the stats, it's I think they let him do it because it was working in that moment. I think that in the future, like, I think that probably will end up coming down. And I think at the end of the day, like, he's not going to be shooting that much if we're playing, you know, we're playing the Bucks, or playing the Clippers, or the Lakers, or something. I don't think he's gonna be taking that, that many shots, and I don't think they're gonna let him take that many shots. So I think I'm kind of okay with it because I think that it it happened for a reason. Um, but I don't think that it's gonna be a regular occurrence that he's shooting that much. Yeah, I
1: I definitely agree with that, and I also feel like this was the first game where it was really like Dame was healthy, CJ's healthy. You're playing with Carmelo beginning of this whole thing you're going to go back to portland after this game and why not encourage him and like let him get back into the swing of things and he clearly kind of did and so Mm -hmm. i think maybe that's like a kind of encouragement that might be needed so that he can get back in the swing of things but hopefully it doesn't mean taking that many shots every game but if it's
2: gonna work, I'm all for it.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: Like if that was like for game too, I don't. I think yeah. they would have. They would have stopped him. But it, yep. for, I mean, after, I mean, why? Well, I think after the the first half, it it just kept getting. You know, the game, the score just kept getting farther and farther apart. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's why they were just kind of like, okay, whatever. Like it's not gonna we don't need to pull back at all or we don't need to be careful as much right now as cause they were, I mean, they won by what, 20 something points. So I think that for that reason, like that, that was okay.
0: Yeah. I think what the naysayers are worried about is that he's not going to be able to stop that or he's not going to be satisfied if those numbers go down. And I think it'll be really interesting to see because that will be a way for him, you know, to show, if he really has accepted his role, if when the number of shots that he takes goes down, that, you know, he stays content, I guess, on the team. Yeah. Is, you know, maybe that's one way he can show it. For me, having Mello was just an injection of energy. I think both of you kind of talked about that. Um, And I think... I think it really kind of got the guys who are on the Blazers just kind of out of their own heads for a little while. I think they were looking at staring. I mean, they they all seem to be in a like really good place considering what their record is, but mm-hmm. it has to have been hard with the losses mounting and everybody just you know like um, the fan base just saying what's going on, what's going on, and um, having Mellow added. I think just kind of took everybody out of their own headspace and was and we're like, OK, now we're going to concentrate on working him in. And it's not just working any other new player in. It was working in Carmelo Anthony. Mm-hmm. And like you, Cassidy, like I never really had watched a ton of Carmelo Anthony, um, but he's super popular with the players. I mean, he was in that yeah. 2003. Draft yeah, everyone class. loves him that was legendary you know yeah. with lebron and wade and bosh and you know he was part of all of that and like the players love him i was listening to the rib city report today and and casey holdall was talking about how the players just absolutely love him and so it's kind of given them something that's bigger than themselves i think mm-hmm. to concentrate on which i think has has got to help a little bit and i it's just fun i mean it was Fun watching him play yeah. in Chicago and having Chicago crowd Love cheering him. for him. <laughs> yeah, like that was that was just plain fun in a season yeah. that was looking like it wasn't gonna maybe be very fun. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, this can be fun, and I kind of look at it like I, my my guess is because I think he said to somebody today or last night he talked about how like he was you know he was his intention was that this is was not gonna be his farewell tour. So okay, whatever. Um, I feel like it's going to be kind of like the Cantor experience, you know, where Cantor came. He's, he, Cantor was almost one of those guys that I said that I started, you know, that I changed my opinion about, but I really didn't have an opinion about him when he got to Portland. Um, But one of those guys that like when he's here, it's like, oh, my gosh, this is fun. And you just get like kind of all swept up in in whatever his personality
2: is. And then (laughs) I think I had the opposite opinion on Cantor. Oh, really? Okay. I I liked him more until I liked him more. And then when he became a blazer, I liked him less. And now I just (laughs) don't like him at all. So I had the opposite. Well, I was
0: I, I was like, at least he could play defense, like, because uh, I was so like, we, I was so brainwashed into thinking that there's no way that he can be useful to this team if he's expected to play defense, and he played better than I thought he was going to, mm-hmm. and then you know I kind of rolled my eyes at a lot of his, um, you know, he just there was a, a lot about Cantor. <laughs> He was a lot. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. a lot of it was kind of eye roll worthy. But for me, it was like it was kind of fun and entertaining. But then as soon as he left, I was like, OK, I, I, I get the Cantor experience and we don't need to do that again. And I've, I've been
2: feeling that for me, Mello might be kind of the same way. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. It's kind of like what, um, what you said about um, – You know, people are worried that he's going to get used to shooting this many shots and he's not going to be able to take a step back. People also have to remember that, like, he's not on a guaranteed contract right now. So... Obviously, that will become guaranteed soon, but he, I think they're gonna, they're gonna realize pretty soon if he's not willing to take a step back. Like, we're gonna have games before that contract becomes, you know, legit that like he or because before it comes guaranteed where he's gonna have to take a step back. And if he doesn't do that, I don't think they're gonna hesitate to cut him. So I think he's in a position right now where he doesn't really have a choice. And I think that he, he really understands that too. So it might be hard for him just, you know, as a player to do it, but I think that he will actively try to, because I think that's, he's proved that at least before, like last year, the year before he was not, he never actively tried to take a step back. He was openly saying, I'm not coming off the bench. I'm not doing this. I'm mellow. This is who I am. Like, he's not doing that now. He's, he's come in and said, you know, I had to swallow my ego. I had like, he's openly said that now. So I think that while it might be a little hard for him just because it's, it's, you know, breaking a habit, I think that he will actively be trying. And as long as he's actively trying to, I think that he's a good enough player that where he is going to be able to do it over time. And I think that if he really is successful and, you know, he really helps out the team, I don't see why Portland wouldn't try to keep him and why he maybe wouldn't try to stay in Portland. Because then for him, it's like, well, now I don't have to go somewhere else and relearn a whole new system. And, you know, he won't have to deal with that. So I think that while I'm not necessarily convinced he would stay, I don't think that it's crazy to think that he would stay after this season if things go well. And especially, you know, at the end of the season when we did Nurk back, when we did Zach back. And... It's like okay, well now we're we can be a legit contender. Why would he not do that? Because you know this is now his chance to get a ring. So, oh, yeah. so he's not gonna he's not gonna fit on any other team that is a legit contender right now. This is probably the closest he will get to getting a ring and the only shot he really has. So I think in his mind, that's where he's at right now where he's like, well, if I'm enjoying it, I like the people I'm around, you know, I, I fit in the system now. Why would he not stay for another season or two and really try to did a ring? So that's kind of my thought on that is like, that makes the most sense. And I think that as long as things go well and things continue to, you know, get better, I don't see that. I don't see why that wouldn't happen. Yeah. And I think his
1: friendship with CJ is definitely an asset in that sense, too, because I think that helped make this a comfortable transition because he's already been talking and playing with CJ for a little bit. So,
0: yeah, yeah, definitely. I do like watching that develop and I'm kind of enjoying seeing who has chemistry on the court. And one thing that I said at the weekly podcast when I was talking with Dan is that when I when Carmelo is on the floor, he just looks like a guy who knows what he's doing. You know, he might not be perfect. He might not be as fast as he was able to do, but the guy has so much experience and so much of it is just second nature to him that like you don't have to worry about him with a lot of stuff. I mean, he they he obviously has to learn the system, but he's not out there learning the NBA at the same time. You know, and it's been really fun I personally for me watching some of the young guys also learn, you know, like watching mm-hmm. Naz Little get time and Scal and um you know, Anthony and then, you know, even Gary Trent Jr. Like watching these guys get time has been really fun, but they're not only just learning the system. They're also learning the NBA and Melo has that figured out. He just has to learn the system. And I think that's fun. And I think watching him and CJ together, I was really, Damien had, I believe 12 assists in that Chicago game. Um, Yeah. Granted it's Chicago. um, But, Maybe he's thinking, oh, wow, this is fun. I got a lot of guys that I can, Mm -hmm. a lot of, and, like, one of the things I also love about Melo is that he can get, like, totally errant passes. Like, he (laughs) knows how to, like, corral a pass, even if it's, like, behind his head or whatever. Yeah. I guess my biggest concern is Rodney Hood, because Rodney Hood has been shooting really well this year, and (laughs) Mm -hmm. he's getting pretty limited touches, and. Yeah. Maybe he's fine with that. Maybe he's a guy who doesn't need to have the ball a whole bunch. And if he gets it seven or eight times and he's going to make, you know, five or six shots, that's great. And that is enough for him. So that's what, kind of one of one of the one things that I'm keeping my eye on. Is, mm-hmm. Um, How do we keep keep Rodney engaged?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he still what? He still had like 16 points. So I think he I think they will definitely be able to work him in still because, I mean, he's still shot well. he still like got a dread amount of points. So I think if they end up kind of pulling Melo back a little bit, those shots are going to go, you know, they're going to filter back to Damon CJ. But I think some of those are going to end up going back to Rodney Hood, too. So I think it all will kind of I think they will find a way to balance that out. Um, because I think that's an option. That's something that Portland hasn't had over the years, is they haven't had options. It's always been, well, Dame and CJ, they need to always have the ball. They're gonna be the ones scoring. Every once in a while, Nurk will go off and have a dame, or someone else will go off and like have a game. But for the most part, like no one is consistently gonna be getting you 15 or more points besides Dame and CJ. And now it's like, okay, well. Mellow can, Rodney Hood can. I mean, coming off the bench, like you can see, like, I mean, Style is, he's been shooting well. Okay. Like, you know, he's an yeah. option now. Okay. And, and yeah, like, like, an has been getting points. So I think that's something like they're just not used to is that like actually having a lot of options. Mm-hmm. So I think that now they actually will find a way to balance it because before there was no balance because there wasn't an option for there to be balance. Now they actually can do that. So I think that's going to take a little bit of time to, to adjust, but I think that they definitely like they can do it now. And, and I think Dame is going to push for that too, because like you can see already this season, like he has been carrying this team. You can't, he can't Mm -hmm. be playing any better than he has been this season. Mm -hmm. And, his body started kind of falling apart on him because of it so I think like he's gonna really be pushing for that because like you know like he needs to be able to keep his body healthy he can't be having all of that weight on him and we you know it doesn't need to be all on him so I think that now it's like just really finding that balancing act of like who's gonna get what shots and really like balancing that and I think that like it'll definitely take time but it's definitely possible and I think they'll pull it off
0: one thing I was thinking about today with regards to Damien is that I was thinking about those 12 assists that he had. And I was kind of thinking, wow, wouldn't it be great if like Damien now started getting triple doubles? Um, but the, the reason I was thinking that is because I was wondering if not having such of a scoring load and, mm-hmm. and passing the ball more would is physically less demanding because you're not going in so much, you're not getting beat up so much, you're not having to shoot from really far out and, like, just wear yourself out all the time. I have no idea. Do you, either of you two have any ideas about just, like, muscular skeletally? Yeah. <laughs> like, is it easier to get assists than it is to actually score? And could that be sort of a compromise that they're working on in terms of, like, the like the Blazers just, just it would just be foolhardy to play him as hard and as long as they've been playing him just because he's he's not how could he how's he gonna last and he's so stubborn and he's just so great and refuses to like back down at all like I wonder if maybe like look if you if you get everybody more involved that Mm -hmm. might be a little bit easier on your body I don't know it's just a thought I had yeah I mean the way he gets knocked down every time he goes
1: to the paint Cannot be good for anyone. And so mm-hmm. I got to think the less times he has to go just driving in and kind of making it happen himself, the better for his body. But I think I think as far as the strategy goes, I
2: think they're going to do what they got to do,
1: whether it's yeah. game running into the pain or not.
2: Yeah, And I think when it comes to that, like what, what effect it has on your body. I mean, I think it just also depends on, you know, the individual play as well. So I think... That's another thing like I keep saying balance, but I think that's another thing is like, you know, depending on what type of shot like Dame doesn't need to be going to the paint for every shot. Yeah. Like, and if he needs to, if, you know, if instead of going to the paint as often as he does, he can, you know, shoot it back out and send it to, to all the three point shooters now that are around. So I think he has the option to still you know be shooting but he and he still has the option to you know go into the paint make those shots but if it is wearing on his body a lot then they can balance that out have him you know have other people you know drive into the paint and he's on the outside more so they can kind of find that balance like let his body take a little bit of a break all right well that's a
0: lot of good talk about Carmelo I mean, Really, like two months ago, did we think we were going to be here today talking (laughs) about how much Carmela Anthony has been contributing this week? I don't know if we would have guessed. (laughs) Mm. Never. It is the week of Thanksgiving, and so we'll do what a lot of people do around this time of year and talk about what we are thankful for. So um, would somebody like to volunteer to start? I can go for it.
1: Um, so I thought a little bit about this, a lot of bit about this, and I can say that I'm thankful for Dame's leadership, which is very true, and I can say I'm grateful for a lot of great things, um, but you know what I'm really grateful for is that someone from the Sun Sentinel named Ira Winterham, <laughs> Winderman wrote an article about how Hassan Whiteside and Myers Leonard swapped houses, and when Myers moved into Hassan's old house, all the fish, which are fifty in the interior tank, and all the koi in the other tank, were gone. And that Whiteside, quote, according to Myers, he actually since has shipped every one of them to Portland. Every one of them, said Leonard, said <laughs> no fish now. And I am fascinated with this story. The story is what's keeping any um, happy feelings towards Whiteside right now going for me. Um, the fact that he had that many fish, he had that many koi fish. He has, has he really shipped every single fish? How does one ship a fish? Are the fish happy? Where have the fish gone now? Do the fish all have names? Um, am I using this to distract myself from my disappointment in Whiteside so far? Maybe, but I'm thankful <laughs> for it. So that is what I am thankful for, is that this has been brought to my attention and that Myers Leonard lives in Hassan Whiteside's house without the fish, but with the amazing fish tank.
2: (laughs) Oh, man. So so he just has an empty fish tank? Yeah, it is an empty (laughs) fish tank. It's like eight feet wide by like eight
1: feet tall, maybe longer, like maybe bigger. It's giant, but there's no fish. It's
0: just an empty fish tank, but it is pretty cool looking. So Myers moved into Whiteside's house in Miami. But Meyer I, but Hassan isn't living in Myers' house right I, now that we know. I of, don't right? think so. Um from what I can
1: tell. Think, I think they're still keeping their house. Here, yeah, they kept their house here. So and technically they're just renting Whiteside's house. Mm-hmm. But um because they figured they'd be good tenants and I thought that was so cute because you know it's true. Yes. Um <laughs> so yeah. This story is what I am thankful for right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you said that it's um, keeping your mind off of um, Whiteside. So are you having a um, having I'm a sh- hard time watching him play, or what's going on yes. with that?
1: Yeah, there are definitely moments where Jess doesn't seem like he's paying attention or cares. Or yeah, and so like watching Dame yell at him the other night when he was like, "Stop yelling at the ref and just go run back and play defense." And it's like, I feel like I could, I want to yell at him like that. Cause I'm like, you have so much potential. You're so tall. You get paid so much money to do this. And I believe in you kind of. <laughs> um, So just like prove everyone who's saying bad things wrong. And like, I don't know. Whiteside is a very complicated situation, but. Well, one step at a time. Me-
2: oh, sorry. Yeah, oh no. Yeah. Uh-huh. What I want to hear this. Yeah. Yeah. What confuses me so much about it is like when, when they made that trade, I was initially excited about it because I thought, you know, all the stuff that happened in Miami, he was, he felt underappreciated. He felt like he wasn't being used correctly. You know, they were sitting him in the fourth quarters, all these different things. And I thought, okay, like I thought that he was really going to fit into the Portland system. And I thought, you know, Dame is someone who's really going to support him. He's going to help kind of bring out the best in him. It's a contract year. And last time Whiteside had a contract year, he balled out. So I'm thinking, okay, this is perfect timing for him to come. It's his contract year. He's going to try to get another contract. He's going to fit into the system. He's going to feel appreciated because when he plays well, he plays really, really well. Um, But that is just not what's happening. Like it doesn't seem like it's a contract year from him. It seems like he – doesn't care about what contract or if, and he gets a contract next season. Um, I mean, if I I watch, you know, inside the NBA every every time it's on, and and the game, um, uh, when they play against the Clippers, which I was actually at that game, and uh, that was my first time seeing Whiteside in person, and I remember the whole time I was getting so frustrated, and I was like, it's obviously watching it on TV is one thing, but seeing it in person, and finally, I was like, he. I I literally was tweeting, like, he needs to get traded right now. Like, this is awful. And, like, he just walks around. He just doesn't really seem like he cares. And on Inside the NBA, like, Shaq even called, like, Shaq and Chuck both called him out, but Shaq started it and was like, if this is a contract year, you need to play like you care. Like, at the very least, do it for your own money. Like, if you're not going to do it to win games, do it Mm -hmm. to get money. And it's, I think, what a lot of people, who maybe aren't watching the games as much as they look to the box store and they go, Oh, he got 20 rebounds and he got 15 points. So they're like, Oh look, like he, he has good stats. He's doing great. But like, as we know from, you know, players like James Harden, players like Russell Westbrook, Stats don't necessarily mean you win games or in a lot of cases doesn't even mean you're necessarily helping your team a lot. And I think anyone who is watching these Portland games and watching Whiteside closely sees that there's a lot of times like, okay, yeah, maybe his stats look really good. But if you actually are watching the game, like he's doing a lot more damage than he is good most of the time. And it's very frustrating to watch because it's like... Also, like, if you're a player, if you need to get yelled at by Dame, like, Dame doesn't yell at people like that. So Mm -hmm. if you're getting yelled at by someone like Dame, like, you know there's a problem because he doesn't – he doesn't react that way. Dame is so encouraging. Like, he's not that person. Mm -hmm. So if you're getting that side of Dame out, like, you know there's a problem. Yeah.
0: Well, I think that's kind of – I want to take this opportunity to segue to the – what I'm thankful for because I, I think you'll see I can make a connection in it. and. What I'm thankful for is Yusuf Nurkic. He's no, he's not playing, <laughs> um, but he is waiting in the wings. His recovery seems to be going well. He's still a part of the team. He's very much a part of the team. I'm really happy about that. But for me personally, and I alluded to this earlier, Yusuf Nurkic taught me patience and I was having this conversation with somebody else about Whiteside and, and I was saying like, what was, what's the difference between um, not NERC fever, which happened right after NERC got traded to the team. He just like balled out. And then the next season he came back and there was a much slower start for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people started to get frustrated with him again. And we were talking about like, what was frustrating about that was the fact that we had all seen him do such great stuff just the you know at the end of the season previous and so when we saw him flip up the little balls we were like why don't you just dunk it we know you can dunk it and so we saw him like not doing all of these things that we knew that he was capable of doing and so I'm trying to have that type of approach with Whiteside because like Mm -hmm. like you said like for the first two games He was huge. Like, he had his arms spread out so far and so wide, and he covered up so much of the paint that, you know, he did deter people from, you know, coming towards the rim for a little bit here and there. And, like, we have seen him do some things. So, while I, like, agree that sometimes it's really frustrating to watch him, like, just, like, put your arms up, dude. Like, You know, make yourself be big. You're already seven feet tall. Just, like, stick your chest out and get those arms out there and take up space. Just, like, go (laughs) take up space. And he doesn't do it all the time. Mm. So what I learned from – I'm just – I'm trying to uh, practice patience, which we got a really great return on our patience with Yusuf Nurkic. And I don't know that we're going (laughs) to get that type of return with Whiteside, nor do I think we maybe even necessarily need it because – as we've talked about a whole bunch, you know, he was a stopgap to hold a space for Nurkic. So I think, you know, possibly with Mello being added, maybe Mello is somebody in addition to Damien that he might listen to, that he might react to, that he might have a positive interaction with, which can help him tap into that. I'm thankful for Nurkic because he taught me patience, because he's waiting in the wings, and because I still have, I'm holding out Hope that uh, Whiteside can um, do what the team needs for needs him to do at least for the next few months.
2: Yeah, and like what you just said with Mellow, um, like even in the in the bowl, that Bulls game, there were multiple times where you saw. Uh, kind of little teaching moments where Mello was, you know, walking, walking to the side with Whiteside talking to him and stuff. And you saw that, like, I saw that interaction a couple different times. So I think you're definitely right with that, because that's gonna, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully make a difference with him as well. Yeah. But oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. But no, the the, the other thing with Whiteside that that bothers me and I think why it makes me so angry is he reminds me of Mason Plumley a lot. Not his plain style, but you know, in the way of like when like he's one of the biggest guys out there and he's a very skilled player. But he has this thing where when he he acts as if like when it's almost like he's afraid to like confront people at the rim. He's afraid to get physical sometimes. It's like, that's what Mason did a lot where, you know, Mason could have easily been dunking on everyone and just, you know, just power through and just dunk the ball. And he didn't do that very often. He did this thing where he would go up and all of a sudden it just looked like he got soft and he just like wouldn't really finish through. And it's like, you're bigger than everyone out there. You could just power through. And I think Whitesides reminds me of him in that way where it's like, he doesn't act like he's as big as he is. He doesn't Mm -hmm. act like he's as powerful as he is. And it's like, you are, you could very easily be a dominant player out there. And it just, it's like, you're not putting the energy energy or effort to be that. And that's what I saw a lot with Mason Pumley. And it's like, I'm seeing that kind of that similar, I'm getting that similar vibe from that. And that's, I think, why it bothers me a lot. Cause it's like, we just got rid of this and just like got rid of this problem. And now it's like, we have this problem again. Yeah. I, and I think to go back
1: to the patience part, I think the part that is making me think I should be patient, is the fact that we run such a flow offense. And sometimes I think that doesn't always fit with players who aren't as mentally focused all the time on the court because you have to be so ready to go with whatever's going to happen next. And so I think sometimes maybe it just takes a little bit more time to get used to playing with like this way. I don't know. I don't know. No, yeah, you
0: know, I I see I think I see what you're saying because there have been other players who kind of overthought things. Yeah. Uh, I mean, kind of the classic example of Meyer it was Myers, where you Myers, could just yeah. see the thought start in his toes and go all the way up those big long legs and up through his body and then finally mm-hmm. reach his fingers where he was holding the ball because he was really thinking about what he was supposed to do. Um, and maybe Whiteside he I don't know that he maybe has, you know, is wrestling with overthinking things, but just not being used to how you have to go with the flow. That's yeah. why it's called the flow. <laughs> yeah. And and you can't can't overthink it.
2: Well, so Kendall, how about you? What are you thankful for? Yeah, um, so I don't want to talk on this a lot because I feel like this could go on – this part could literally go on forever. Um, but I think it's kind of a two-part answer where, um, Tara, you definitely know how much I – obviously how all, much all of us do, but how much I hate the Warriors. Um, so seeing the downfall of the Warriors, I'm very f- thankful for that. <laughs> yes. um, I've loved every Heartless. second of it. Not that Not that I would – not this that, that I wish – not that I like wish injuries on players or enjoy injuries, but I, I I know people. I work with people who are Warriors fans. I'm in a city full of, you know, bandwagon fans of every team. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of Warriors fans here, and it's it's just it's really nice to see them struggling a little bit and not winning everything. And it's nice to see the fans having to deal with that um, <laughs> because it's like. I, I don't know. I just love seeing that. Um, so so brutal, but it's, it's, I think it's just like Warriors fans have just been so awful over the past couple years that I really love seeing them be humbled. So yeah. And they're all coming (laughs) over to the
0: Lakers now.
2: Oh yeah. (laughs) So I'm yeah. Surrounded by them as well, but that's a different story. Um, But yeah, so I'm thankful for that. And then in relation to that, I'm thankful um, for just more balance in the league. And I'm thankful that, you know, we don't know who's going to win the championship this year. And uh, that's a really as a NBA fan, like that's really exciting. Um, it's exciting to not know who's going to be in the Western conference finals, who's going to be in the, in the championship or in the finals. Like we don't know, we don't even know who's going to be in the playoffs. And, um, that's just, that's really exciting. And I like that, you know, there's no super teams anymore. It's really just like two people on each team. Um, so it's a lot more fun to watch. I find myself watching, a lot, lot more full games this season because before it was just like I would give up partway through the game because I was like, well, I know who's going to win this. And it's like I'm doing a lot less of that this season. And that, um, so as a fan, I'm very thankful for that.
0: That's totally yeah. fair. Savage and fair. I think. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I agree, though. It is. You know, I wish the, the Blazers had, you know, come out the gate a little bit stronger and were more in the mix of the discussion because it's kind of sad to, like, hear everybody just, like, gloss over them or just, like, you know, pan them as done or whatever. Um, but except for that aspect of it, it is really fun knowing that it's pretty open. I mean, the Lakers and the Clippers have a pretty good handle on things, but they're by no means perfect every night.
2: Yeah. And it's still early in the season. So you never know. There's, there's going to be, you know, people who still are breakout stars of the season. There still could be injuries. There's, I mean, there's still so many things that could happen that could just shift things so much. Mm Um, so I think it, yeah, it is, it is definitely really early. Um, you know, people already have ped, uh, before the season was started, it was Clippers Lakers and the Western conference finals. And, um, that's, there's a very good chance of that, but there's also a very good chance that that will happen. So um, I just I like not knowing. <laughs> like it, it makes me look forward to it a lot more rather than be like, oh I, I the past few years I've liked the regular season more than the playoffs and I think now I'm actually looking to the playoff looking forward to the playoffs more um, than you know the regular season
0: how are people feeling about the downfall of the San Antonio Spurs or if they think that the San Antonio Spurs are actually going to stay down?
2: Um, I mean, I, I don't think that they're, I don't think they're going to be as bad as they are for the whole season. Um, but I also don't, I don't, I think there's a very good chance. They're not going to make the playoffs. Um, I don't think that they're going to be able to come back enough to where they made the playoffs just because of, you know, how stacked the West is. Um, as Tara, as you know, I'm a uh, DeMar DeRozan is my favorite player. So from that side of it, I don't like seeing that. Um, but, you know, there's so many trade talks of, you know, they might trade him. I've seen stuff about people, you know, pushing uh, to get Aldridge back in Portland and you know, this might be the time. If they're if they're blowing up the Spurs, they're gonna try to trade him away. And he's requested a trade back to Portland in the past and things like that. So I don't think that this team is gonna look the way it is in a couple months as it does today. I think it's gonna be a completely different team. So um I don't really feel that bad for him because I think it's kind of time for them to just start over and, you know, start with a young, fresh team. So I don't feel that bad, but it definitely is uh it's weird to not have the Spurs be a good team. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a weird, it's definitely weird.
1: Yeah. It's weird to watch, but they had their time to shine.
2: I (laughs) was
0: kind of annoyed about the whole, um, when Popovich got ejected and him insisting that it was Tim Duncan who was the coach and like, okay, whatever. But like, people were like, okay, so Becky Hammond is like, you know, coaching. She's the one who's on the sideline. She's running the show. And like, Stotz or um Stotts, uh Popovich had to double down and be like no that was Tim Duncan
2: was the coach I'm like uh
0: oh, could he could you just left it could we just let us have this
2: yeah yeah <laughs> that was yeah I definitely thought that was weird but whatever
0: yeah Becky's still great we still <laughs> I still admire her very much she was the yeah. one with the clipboard just exactly. saying exactly <laughs> <laughs> and she's the one with the experience as an assistant coach, with yeah. multiple years of experience as an assistant coach. Yeah. But Tim Duncan just walks right up to it. But, well, good for him, I guess. Well, should we should wrap it up by going over um, a few headlines. Just yeah. Just a few more minutes mm-hmm. to look and see what else is going on around in the league. Cal- uh, Cassidy, you want to run us through them? Yeah, so I've got a few headlines from around the league, starting with, he said, they said,
1: Richard Jefferson versus the Knicks. (laughs) Um, So as you might know, Richard Jefferson claimed that he refused to play for the Knicks. The Knicks say they never wanted him. Um, (laughs) What are y'all thinking about this story? (laughs)
2: So if anyone watched this game, which clearly no one in the media did, uh, <laughs> Richard Jefferson later said that he was joking and that that actually wasn't true, but the media didn't put that part in the story. Um, So he's admitted that it wasn't true before the game was even over before the Knicks even came out and said this, he admitted that it was a joke because it was, you know, they were, they were at the Knicks game. It was a Knicks broadcast. It was a joke. <laughs> and, um, yeah, but of course, no one no one looked at that. People looked at the story, um, so that's why this whole thing started. But even if he hadn't have clarified and said it was a joke, um, and it's maybe it was or say it was true, this is just so classic Nicks for them to come out because it's like, I mean, it, they just it in any way that they can, they manage to just make the wrong decision in every situation, and um. You know, they just, they think they, you know, come out and say things like make themselves look better with the whole like KD. Oh, oh, we didn't even offer him the full contract. It's like, well, that, again, like that just makes yeah. you look worse. It just makes your organization look worse. Mm-hmm. If you would have just not said anything, like you still look bad, but you made yourself look worse. Yeah. And this is just another example of like, They need to fire their entire PR team because they consistently are just awful and make them look way worse. Um, And, yeah, it's just it's a very classic niche thing. If this would have been any other team, they probably would not have even responded or responded with something much better than this. Um, But ultimately, like, it just makes the niche look stupid. (laughs) And, yeah, yeah. I have nothing to add. Yep.
1: Here, here. <laughs> so moving on to the next area of the league, living <clears throat> La Vida Luca. Luka Doncic is kind of very impressive this season, averaging just over 30 points, 10 rebounds, and just under 10 assists per game. How have you been liking watching Luca play this season? And he's twenty. It's
0: crazy. That is what is just amazing. And mm-hmm. I just, I, I, it's just draw jaw dropping, but then tonight mm-hmm. they put him in one of the new Mavericks uniforms. So that's, Ugh. we'll see how that, how that works out. Yeah. But, um, no one is winning in those uniforms. No, but, um, I think it's, it's exciting. I mean, I just, overall this year, there's been some really exciting young rising stars. And I think that's exciting, especially, you know, now that I, have read a little bit. I mean, I already, I always knew that like LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Carmelo, I always knew in the back of my head that, you know, they came in together, but I hadn't really thought about the fact that they're about, you know, they are at least if not like, you know, if retirement isn't imminent, it's at least within the next handful of years, probably that that era Mm -hmm. will be over and to look and see the exciting young players who are coming up. Yeah. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So then
1: we've got so we've got a fourteen game appetizer and a fourteen game dessert. Fourteen games on either side of American Thanksgiving for an epic
0: lineup. Any games you're looking forward to? I'm just focused on on the Blazer games. I haven't even really um, uh, looked that carefully at the rest of the schedule because I'm not sure if you know it, but the countdown to Christmas has started on Hallmark. So <laughs> <and> it's <laughs> over. I'll be I'll be watching a few movies as well. Yeah.
1: And I'm excited for the thunder to come back because I mean,
2: uh, yeah, I as far as the games, I mean, I I personally am not like super excited about any of them. Mm-hmm. Um I just I mean, it's a lot of I feel like average matchups, um, not a lot of rivalries or anything. The only thing I am say about which may or may not be exciting, um, tomorrow, um, and Friday. So both days, the Nets and Celtics play each other tomorrow is in Boston on Friday. It's in New York. Um, Kyrie probably is not playing tomorrow though. So that that's what makes that not as interesting. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure he'll still travel, so they'll still boo him. That'll still be fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it, it's still, you know, it, it's still going to have, um, you know, a little bit of rivalry there, um, just the nature of it. But I think by Friday he should be back. And because I think he's only supposed to miss about three games. So Friday, he should definitely be back for that. Um, it's in Brooklyn, so it's not as exciting about as him going back to Boston. But I think he'll, that will still be um, a good game to watch. But that's a really early game on Friday. That's true. So that's it. That's it, uh, 9 a 9 a.m. Friday. So I probably will not be watching that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'll probably watch just the highlights, but it'll still be, uh, I think, a good game.
1: And we also get Anthony Davis returning to New
2: Orleans uh, tomorrow, I believe. Or so the day before. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, and this isn't as exciting because, you know, he was already uh, gone. But mm-hmm. the Clippers do play the Spurs on Friday as well in, oh. in San Antonio.
1: Okay. Nice. So some fun games to look forward to. And it is going to be a basketball bonanza. Um, and so for our final headline, uh, do you have a doctor's note? Uh, The league's cracking down on load management and seeking future solutions. What do you think of all of the news surrounding this? We could talk about this for hours.
0: (sighs) (sighs) So the load management thing, I, I mean, it's just a new term that they came up with. And like, I feel like they're trying to micromanage the whole thing about like, does he really have an injury or like, is the guy playing or not? Is he injured or not? And I, would guess a lot of the um, thing that's going on is because it has to do with betting now. So like do do gamblers know like just how injured somebody is or something like that? I don't know. But the thing that I am really curious about and I would love to hear y'all's opinions on is this new proposed schedule Um. Because I have a conspiracy theory about the new schedule and (laughs) trying to shorten the season and then adding the in-season tournament and all this stuff. My conspiracy theory is what are they going to sneak past? What are they going to sneaky pass while we're all trying to figure out how all this is going to work? Because, like, this whole thing is so confusing. Like, the whole... Um, trying to figure out how the tournament is going to work. And they, like, keep writing it out in all these long paragraphs that are supposed to make sense. I don't know one person who's actually been able to explain it in a way that makes sense, like how this tournament may or may not work. And they're like, oh, they'll work out the details later, da, da, da. So we're over here talking about this whole tournament, trying to figure all of that out. I want to know... What other thing they're gonna sneak through? Because we're looking in one direction and they're going in a whole nother direction. So that's my conspiracy theory. And I think they're gonna try to say it's because we, you know, we we um want to protect the players. We want to make sure that the players are, you know, playing fewer games. I mean, is 78 games really that much fewer? And like, does that include the tournament? I don't know. And then if you're no, still no, that doesn't in the, the tournament. I mean, it's like how is that shortening things? So I think they're gonna do oh. all that in the mean time they're going to like you know the board of governors is going to pass a thing where they've like put a team on the moon and it's like <laughs> we were all looking over here trying to tr- figure out the tournament and they're like no everybody has 30,000 extra miles they have to travel every year or, yeah. uh, however far away the yeah moon is. or is this the year they add like Mexico City and London and they're like figure
1: it out
2: yeah I think So I actually listened to a podcast this morning or yesterday that, um, they were talking about all these, you know, proposed changes and it was the first time that it was explained where I felt like I really understood it. Um, so I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on it now. The only thing, um, that they kind of brought up in that conversation was that with the tournament, how are they going to make the tournament worth it for teams and players though? Because like, obviously like they're they're saying like oh it'll be they'll be playing for money but like most of the especially the bid name players like they don't they're not going to care about that they're not going to care about getting an extra a hundred thousand dollars like that doesn't that is not a significant amount of money to them and that's not going to be worth it to them like let me put all this energy into this tournament so that i can get like pocket change to them and so it's like they they're gonna have to figure out a way to make it like where it actually matters to the teams and make it so that like You know they're not just gonna be like, oh, like we'll just have our basically have it be summer league in the middle of the season because that I I feel like is what it looks like it would end up being and I feel like that's pointless. Like that you already have summer league. Like why are you gonna do that in the middle of the season? Like what's that gonna mean? So that's the thing that's weird to me is like, what is the purpose of that? if there's not going to be some sort of impact that like actually matters um what i do think is interesting is these play-in games for the playoffs i actually kind of am intrigued by that i don't yeah. know how much i like it but i think that it's interesting um i think it'd be interesting to try cuz i think that that would be really exciting to watch yeah i agree that could be really fun to watch i haven't looked too in-depthly
1: into all of these proposed changes cuz I just have a theory nothing's going to (laughs) happen.
0: Like, they just want talking points. Mm
2: -hmm. I
0: don't know. I feel like like it's a done deal. Like, I I, I feel like they wouldn't have leaked it if they hadn't. Mm -hmm. If they weren't already confident that that they could do it. Because it seems risky to come out with this big, huge, gigantic change and then not do anything. So I kind of feel like it's going to happen. But I wonder if they're just like... You know, I'm not going to say if it ain't broke, don't fix it, because it sounds like, you know, uh, viewership is down. People mm-hmm. are not watching as much basketball right now. And I can I could totally understand why that's a problem and that why that's w- what they want to take care of. And maybe it's because of this new load management thing. And so people like don't want to watch games that they know that stars aren't going to be in. But it seems like they could have done a little bit more fine tuning rather than just like do this massive sweeping change. But you know what? Who am I to stand in the way of change? I'm sure that whatever they do two years from now, I'll be, like, delighted with whatever it is. Well, the Players Association would have to vote for it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they seem to be working on it together, so...
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Well, kind of back to the load management thing. um, For how opinionated I am on most things, I find it interesting that, like, I really just don't have an opinion on load management. Like, I just... I don't know what it is. I just don't really care. Like it just, it doesn't really bother me. Like if people are going to sit out, like I look at it as like, well, this is your job at the end of the day. Like if you feel, and it's your career, like if you don't feel like you're capable of playing or whatever, like do what you need to do. I kind of have that view. Um, but then I also do see the other side, especially from like someone in media. I see it from that perspective. Um, So that's definitely a problem, but I, I mean, as a fan, I personally don't care. Um, I've been to games where last minute the player ended up or the, one of the star players ended up not playing, um, not even just due to load management, but due to injuries, I've had load management situations, you know, I've had stuff like that and it, it sucks. But as an NBA fan, like I don't go for one player, I go for the game, I go for the team. So it really doesn't like, it's, like it's disappointing for a couple minutes and then i'm over it mm-hmm. so i think like if you genuinely are that upset that like you're t- that you know Kawhi didn't play that night that you went to the game it's like well then don't be going to a game just for one player like because that's not that player's job to you know people are saying like oh they need to give refunds and it's like well no you bought the ticket for the game you didn't yeah. buy that you didn't buy a ticket to see that one person in concert, and all of a sudden the headliner dropped out. Like that's not how that works. Like, no. like you'll you'll get a refund if you did for one person, but like it's a team sport. You bought it, you bought t- tickets to the team to watch the team, and if you are only there for one player, like that's your own fault. So I it, I don't know. I, it doesn't really bother me, but I also definitely did it. No, I,
0: I think that's a really good point. I, the way I always look at it is if someone is going to sit out for a game for load management, they should at least try be with the team. Like, you know, if if you have a legitimate injury and um, flying is going to be bad for you, then, you know, don't do it. But if you're just going to be load managed, at least show up at the arena so fans can, like, come and say hi and see you and you can, like, spend a little time saying hi, whatever. But I think that's a really good point about you're, uh, you're buying a ticket to watch the game, not to watch a player. Yeah, exactly. Well, ladies, anything else to add? Cassie, did you have anything else to add about load management? Taking a doctor's – bringing a doctor's note?
1: <laughs> yeah, grab your doctor's notes because they're requiring them. Um, no, uh, let players take care of themselves. Yeah. But, yeah, that's
0: all I have to say about that. So they can have nice long <laughs> careers like Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> the newest most popular blazer
1: look at you bringing that full circle
0: i know i know sorry dame i didn't really mean that he was the most popular blazer dame's gonna be the always gonna be the most popular blazer to me but anyway ladies this has been really fun kendall it's great to talk to you again and cast yes thanks for you back coming up all coming up with all those great uh questions and uh, headlines for us to talk about Um, That's going to do it for this week's episode of Women's Hoops and Talks. Um, Don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Hoops and Talks and to subscribe to the show and all of that good stuff. Kendall, do you want to tell people where they can find you?
2: Um, Yeah. Give me a a I don't even remember my my Twitter. Um, (laughs) I never – you would think I would know this by now. Um, It's Kendall Bennett and then I think it's like underscore something. (laughs) I know. I have like the same – it's like a variation of – all my different accounts, and I just forget which is which. Always. Um, okay, yeah. Uh, you can find me um, on Twitter at Kendall Bennett sixteen, uh, K E N D Y L. Spelled different, um, but uh, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of it. Right on, Cassie. You want to take us out of here?
1: Yeah. So we love your email. So send us some email with your icebreaker ideas, questions. Or maybe what you're thankful for this NBA season. Is it Hassan Whiteside's fish? Because I know that's what I'm grateful for. Our email is hoopsandtalks at gmail.com. And you can find me at Cassidy Gemmett on Twitter. And go
0: Blazers!